My grandmother bought us a home just before she passed away. Our church helped pay the tuition bill so I could go to an Adventist school. We weren't an Adventist family, but I went to an Adventist school because it had a good reputation in the neighborhood. And that's the only reason that I'm now doing what I'm doing. And I'm thankful for that, but we couldn't pay those tuition bills. One Christmas, my mom, you know, my mom was in school trying to take some classes, you know, provide a better future for us. And one Christmas, her classmates and her professor, who we had never met, showed up at our door with boxes full of gifts and put them under our tree so we could have a real good Christmas. But in my mind, thankfully, I just thought, huh, well, that was nice. Cool, I got some toys. But now as a man, I look back on that and I see that was an act of charity because those people and other people in my life Take seriously the words that we just read in Proverbs. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. Well, good evening, Praxis. My name is Aaron Reneker, and I'm super happy to be here. I get to serve as the youth director for this conference, uh, which means that I get to be connected with our incredible pastors that we have here in Southeastern, including uh, Pastor Philip and Pastor Josh, who help lead young adult ministries here. We got to pray for Pastor Philip, by the way. Not sure if you heard, but he had to go to England to preach. <sighs> so let's just pray he's doing okay. What a missionary. Um, and, and this is my first time, though, actually at a Praxis service. And uh, yeah. And I'm already really, really enjoying it and appreciating it. Thank you to the worship team. That was beautiful. That was moving. Thank you to the leaders here. And uh, thank you to all of you for starting your Sabbath here at this wonderful, wonderful place. When was the last time that you were lost? And I'm not speaking about physically. I'm not speaking about vocationally. I'm not speaking about spiritually. I'm speaking about mentally, just like totally lost. My wife and I are six years apart. Didn't seem like much of a deal when we met until I learned that apparently an entire generation of culture can occur in just six years, especially when you grow up in more traditional Adventism, as she did, and I didn't. One day, we were watching TV, and Beyonce shows up. And so I mentioned her original band, Destiny's Child. She was like, who's Destiny? <laughs> Another time, listening to the radio, Justin Timberlake's song. I asked her if she liked NSYNC. What's in the sink? <laughs> and this was the worst one. We were in the grocery store, and we see a box of Frosted Flakes. And I had to spend the next 15 minutes explaining exactly who Tony the Tiger is and why he matters probably the biggest fight we've ever had. But it didn't just go one way, because <laughs> one of the first things that I learned about her 
was that while her family did not watch a lot of movies growing up, there was one movie that was particularly influential in her life. It helped frame the way she saw school. It helped frame the way she saw men. It helped frame the way she saw life. And the name of that film is High School Musical. <laughs> and, you know, I had never seen High School Musical before. When it came out, she was in sixth grade, which is like target audience for High School Musical. I was about to start college. And we didn't show up to the dorm room, gather around, and pop in a DVD of High School Musical at least not to like the second quarter. So I really hadn't, I wasn't familiar with it. But now we were both adults and we were learning about each other. And while she insisted, you know, like, we don't need to watch this movie, Aaron. I said, I am your boyfriend. And I need to see this with you. Something that has been so significant, a work of art that has helped you become you. And so we need to watch this. And besides, you know, how bad could it be? Well, let me tell you. How many of you have seen the original High School Musical before? Okay, to those of you lucky enough to have your hands down right now, <laughs> let me just explain a little bit of this to you. Imagine with me a place where a young Zac Efron, not appropriate, where he is the star of his school's basketball team. Only in this world, uh, basketball is where there are 30 people on the court doing a choreographed dance routine. <laughs> and then his dad is the coach. Um, they're these two bullies who are twin brothers and sisters. But the whole time, there's kind of this energy, like maybe they're dating. I don't know if it was intentional or not. <laughs> um, and, and then there's this new girl that comes to this school, and she's shy, and now suddenly, Zac Efron has to decide whether he's going to co-star with her in the school musical or play in the championship basketball game. And if that's not enough, Efron couldn't hit the notes, so in the first movie, they have to overdub all of his songs, and it's really obvious, which was actually probably the most entertaining part for me to watch. And so I'm watching this film, and my wife, you know, she's smiling, she's enjoying it, she's reliving, you know, her childhood. And you know how I'm feeling? Lost. Because she's not the only one who liked this movie. You know, her family liked this movie, her friends liked this movie, her whole generation likes this movie. And it didn't stop with that debut in 2006. Man, there have been so many sequels and spin-offs and plays. And the brand today of High School Musical is as popular as ever. And so when I think of High School Musical and, and this cultural phenomenon that everybody's loving, to be honest, I'm totally lost. I don't get it. And so what about for you? What is something that makes you feel just kind of lost, like you don't get it. And maybe it's a topic of conversation, or maybe it's something in the news, or maybe it's when you try filing your taxes, or maybe it's that class or that textbook that you are supposed to understand, but in reality, you feel lost. 
maybe it's even something at your job, this thing you get paid to be the expert for, but if only people knew how clueless you felt sometimes. And of course, you assume that everybody else in the class or at work or in society gets it and understands it, and it leaves you feeling like, really, this is a you problem. And this series that you've been going through this month is actually on the opposite of this feeling I'm talking about. It's been on wisdom, and wisdom as it's understood through the book of Proverbs. And so let me ask you, Praxis, have you ever felt totally lost with the Bible? And if you have, you are not alone. Believe me in that. So let's talk a little bit about the Bible. The Bible, of course, is an anthology. Okay, it is a collection of ancient writings that don't just span a decade or, or, or 20 years or maybe span a century. The Bible is an anthology that spans writings from over 3,000 years, 66 books, over 1,100 chapters written in three different languages on three different continents, and over 40 different authors, most of which never even met each other or knew they even existed. And yet... What is really amazing is that despite its assorted origin, people for generations upon generations upon generations have found meaning and purpose and hope in its words. I mean, we're actually really fortunate to have such a collection of writings and to have access to it. But when you have a text that is so wonderfully universal as that, of course, there will also be sections or passages that maybe don't connect quite as well with you. And again, that is totally okay and to be expected. Maybe those portions of the book will connect with you at a later time in your life, or maybe they never will. And that's okay, because scripture was not recorded to be made into a memorized manuscript. Scripture was recorded to be shared as a story, to be spread as a message, to be felt as an experience. And through these words, we experience other humans' encounters with the divine. And through that, we more fully experience our own as well. And so tonight, as we look at one chapter in the book of Proverbs, you may find some of these words speak to you in this moment of your life. And for that, we say hallelujah. And you may find other words which can be saved for somebody else or maybe for another day. That's all part of the fun. And Proverbs is a bit of a different book because there is no plot, There are no stories. There are no characters in the book of Proverbs. Instead, it's a collection of written advice from a group of grandpas, as we could look at them, who want to pass on this wisdom to younger generations. And these guys, you know, they cover everything in life in the real world. They talk about money, and they talk about sex, and they talk about marriage, and they talk about raising kids, and they even talk about the dangers of co-signing on a loan, and they talk about the importance of appropriate etiquette during dinnertime meetings. They cover it all. And we can be thankful for that. 
And some of it should absolutely be taken with a grain of salt. There are passages in Proverbs that I probably wouldn't preach on. And it doesn't mean that everything in here is a direct promise to you from God. We can read it in its proper context because other passages may feel like they were written exactly with you in mind. A perfectly placed passage for you from 3,000 years ago. It's pretty cool. And tonight we're going to read from Proverbs 22, not the entire chapter. We're going to start in verses 17 because that begins a section of 30 sayings of the wise. Not sure if you've looked at it before, but it's filled with these snappy one-liners that honestly might feel a little bit more natural to us in this age that we happen to be alive in of tweets and timelines and posts. It probably won't feel that unfamiliar to get these little one-liners. And so here's how it begins and how it's introduced. Verse 17, which is read so well, thank you. Pay attention and turn your ear to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach, for it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord. I teach you today, even you. Have I not written 30 sayings for you? Sayings of counsel and knowledge? teaching you to be honest and to speak the truth so that you bring back truthful reports to those you serve. And so we're just going to read the first five of these sayings. And as we do, if the verse that we read speaks to your life in some way, I just want you to just give a little snap, okay? Let's try that out real quick. Just give, everybody just give a little snap. Can you snap? If you can't snap, just like make the noise with your mouth. I don't know. Okay, so just a, just a little snap. Just to say, yeah, like I feel that. I, I, I get that. That speaks to me in a way. And uh, I'm not going to pass like a mic to you and say, okay, tell us why. We're not going to do that. I just want us to acknowledge and recognize when a passage may speak to us and then other times when it may not, but we see that it's maybe connecting with others. Okay? Here's verse 22. Do not exploit the poor because they are poor. And do not crush the needy in court. For the Lord will take up their case and will exact life for life. Okay? The author starts out the importance with the importance of respecting those with less than us. And of course, we know a lot of Proverbs is written by Solomon, right? He's this famous, wealthy, powerful king. And the other grandpas who wrote in this book, they weren't all that much different. They were doing fine. And yet they start out these sayings by reminding us the importance of caring for the less fortunate. And we know that's a theme that runs throughout the pages of Scripture, right? Old Testament and New Testament, that we need to take care of our fellow sisters and brothers, especially those who don't have what we do. And, you know, I grew up in, in a family that you could probably classify as poor. Um, I'm the youngest of four kids raised by a single mom. Dad was an alcoholic out of the picture before I was five. My mom going from job to job. And yet the truth is I had the privilege of ignorance because I didn't really know how poor we were growing up. I was a happy kid. And my mom, even though she was a single mom and I didn't have my dad in my life, she was up for the challenge of playing both parts as best she could. 
And I was the little boy who just loved sports. All I ever wanted to do was play sports. And I loved baseball and I loved basketball and I loved football. And my favorite game to play with my mom was this game I called quarterback sack. You see, because my mom would be walking around the house and if I saw her, I would shout out quarterback sack. Now, if you watch football, you know what that means, right? The quarterback's the one who has the ball. If you tackle the quarterback, it's called a sack. So I would see her and I'd shout out, quarterback sack, and I'd run after her and she'd pretend to run away from me down the hallway and I'd jump on her leg and I'd try to wrestle her down and we'd laugh and I loved it. I was a happy kid. And one day my mom you know, sat me down and she, she talked to me. She said, Aaron, you can't play the quarterback sack game anymore. And I was devastated. You know? And I was like, why, mommy? And she's like, it's not that I don't love you because I do. And it's not that I don't love those moments with you, because I do. It's just, you're 32 years old now. <laughs> and I'm worried that I'm going to get hurt. <laughs> totally lost. I, I said, why, mommy? <laughs> but I was a happy kid. I had the privilege of ignorance to our poverty. And I'm thankful for that. But now as an adult, I look back and I realize how many people helped take care of us. My grandmother bought us a home just before she passed away. Our church helped pay the tuition bill so I could go to an Adventist school. We weren't an Adventist family, but I went to an Adventist school because it had a good reputation in the neighborhood. And that's the only reason that I'm now doing what I'm doing. And I'm thankful for that, but we couldn't pay those tuition bills. One Christmas, my mom, you know, my mom was in school trying to take some classes, you know, provide a better future for us. And one Christmas, her classmates and her professor, who we had never met, showed up at our door with boxes full of gifts and put them under our tree so we could have a real good Christmas. But in my mind, thankfully, I just thought, huh, well, that was nice. Cool, I got some toys. But now as a man, I look back on that and I see that was an act of charity because those people and other people in my life Take seriously the words that we just read in Proverbs. Man, take care of the poor. And yes, you can be proud of maybe what you've achieved and what you've accomplished and what you have, but let's not pretend that it's purely because you just worked harder than somebody else. We're called to take care of each other. And it doesn't say they've brought it upon themselves. It's their problem. It says it's our problem, and the Lord is going to plead for their case. So I'm snapping at that one. Let's go to verse 24. Next one. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Mm. Starting to get a little bit more personal, isn't it? <laughs> so I go to this Adventist school as a seventh grader, right? Middle school. You miss those days, right? No. <laughs> And I'm going to this new school. I'm completely scared out of my mind. I don't know the culture of this religion. I don't know anything. You know, what's a haystack? Why do you all have an aunt named Ellen? I don't get it. <laughs> but I'm there, and all I'm trying to do is just survive. And for me, as this 12-year-old, survival meant I need to find friends. You know, I talked about feeling mentally lost. Well, at that point in my life, I felt socially lost, and so I just needed people around me so I could try to fit in. And at that point, I know I would have taken any friends that I could get. You know, the good kids, yeah. The weird kids, sure. The kids who would pressure me into doing harmful things so I felt like I belonged, absolutely, if you'll have me. 
And thankfully, that's not what happened because other kids welcomed me in. But I don't think at 12 years old, I would have had the courage to say, no, I'll stay by myself. I would have said, sure, whatever you want. Because I was 12. None of you are 12. You are adults. And it is so important to take these words to heart and to realize that the people you choose, yes, choose to surround yourself with, continues to be one of the most important decisions you make on a daily basis. And my hope is that each of you have enough respect for yourself, love for yourself, and and security in yourself to know that if there's any person in your life who doesn't respect you in return, who doesn't care for you in a deep way, and, and who isn't willing to lift you up in a world that often wants to tear us down, then you need to have the courage as an adult to have an important conversation with them. And oftentimes, it's not just in our social relationships. This can be most relevant to our dating life as well. Listen, having a boyfriend or having a girlfriend, yeah, it's an amazing feeling. And and having a husband or having a wife, you know, that's awesome when it's right. But it's not always right, is it? And so, again, have the courage to say that I'm not going to get into any relationship or stay in any relationship in which I'm not respected by my partner, in which I'm not lifted up by my partner. And to remember that, listen, if if that person hasn't come into your life yet, singleness is not a sickness, okay? Sometimes singleness is actually a sign of really, really good health in a person. And so, (laughs) here's what I want to (laughs) say. If you or a friend of yours that you know is in an unhealthy relationship, I actually have a resource for you. Okay, I want this to be practical. It's a resource I didn't know about for a long time, but I wish I had. It's an organization called One Love, okay? One, O-N-E, love. This is a nationwide nonprofit whose mission is to help us know the difference between healthy and unhealthy relationships. And they even have this 10 signs of healthy relationships and 10 signs of unhealthy relationships. Let me share just a few with you, okay? A few signs of healthy relationships, kindness, independence, a comfortable pace, a few signs of an unhealthy relationship, possessiveness, intensity, isolation, or belittling. And so what I want you to do, because again, I think this applies to all of us, because it's not just us, you know, it could be a relationship that's still to come, or it could be a friend of ours, or a sibling, or a parent, or, or a child. But if you go to this website, joinonelove.org, and it's not actually, you have to like sign up for something. It's just to receive these resources to read about it. You go to that website. You look at those 10 signs. You look at some of the other resources that they have in there because that is us prioritizing our emotional health, our mental health, our social health, our overall health. And here's the deal. We talk so much about spiritual health. And I'm guessing the fact that you're at a worship service on a Friday night and you're an adult who didn't have to come, it means you care about your spiritual health. Spiritual health is not off in its own corner away from our mental health, our physical health. No, you're a whole being, okay? So if you want to be spiritually healthy, then work on being mentally healthy and socially healthy and physically healthy, okay? And there are resources available like One Love that help us do that. 
You want to go to the next verse? Let's do it. Verse 26. Do not be one who shakes hands in pledge or puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. Hmm. Okay. A few of us. Good, good, good. So now we're talking about finances. <laughs> we're also talking about integrity. We're also talking about discipline. The Christian word for this may be stewardship. And financial wisdom is not something we talk about often in church, but it is so important. And some of us in here are better at saving. Some of us in here are better at spending. But here's the thing. What I have found is that both of those, saving and spending, are often rooted in something much deeper. We often spend lots of money to fill a void that hasn't been addressed. We often save lots of money out of our anxiety and need for more control. And so either of these can be part of a process that needs healing. And so I would encourage all of us to surround ourselves with trusted people that we can talk to about finances. Don't carry that alone. And sometimes there are things in our lives that we need to process, not just with friends, but with professional counselors. Going to therapy was one of the best things I've ever done in my life, and I encourage you as well to try it out because it might be for you as well. Because we know that we can have the best relationship with money by having the best relationship with ourselves. And you've probably realized by now that there are a whole lot of people and powers out there that only see you for what you can pay them. And they are gonna do all they can to squeeze out every last drop. Oh, you're in debt? I don't care. You have a bad credit score? Not my concern, let's make it worse. I hate to say it, but there are a lot of people out there who don't have our best interest in mind, and we have to help take care of each other so that we can be as healthy as we can. And so we surround ourselves with trusted people like the last saying. We have empathy for those with less, like the first verse we read, and we do our best to be thoughtful and honest with our own resources like it's saying here. So this book of Proverbs has some good stuff. I got to be honest with you. Let's go to the next one, verse 28. Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors. Really? No. <laughs> I got to be honest, I'm feeling a little bit lost. I'm sure it's good wisdom, but to be honest, my land is not determined by an ancient boundary stone. I just pay rent to the guy. Um, of course, some people in this time did try to expand their estates by moving property lines into their neighbor's land when they weren't looking. And so I love that these well-off, perhaps wealthy men are bringing notice to that. And I think a lot of this still has to do with things like integrity. Frankly, this verse also makes me think of politicians and gerrymandering for political gain, which Solomon maybe knew about as well. And so we can still find some important themes in here, and, and it all comes down to how we treat our neighbors. So some good stuff in here, too. We'll take verse 28. We got one last one, okay? 29. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. In other versions, this text says it's 
about somebody who excels in their work or someone who is diligent in their business. And so we're speaking here about work ethic. We're speaking here about dedication and perseverance, tried and true ingredients towards thriving in our pursuits and the payoffs that can come from it. And as the band comes up here, I want to talk about what would happen if we kept reading, right? So if you go into chapter 23, and I want to encourage you, keep reading Proverbs. And if you were to look at chapter 23 this weekend, you would see some other likewise verses that, again, some will probably speak directly to you and others maybe not. And that's okay. One of the best things you can do with scripture is sit down with a friend, a a partner, a a trusted colleague, and read through and say, what is this bringing about for you? Because here's what it's bringing about for me. And sometimes you both will reach something that just doesn't connect, whether in Proverbs or another book of the Bible. And when that happens, please do not feel inadequate. Please do not feel lost. Because that verse may be written for somebody else or maybe written for you on a future day. The Bible is an ancient miracle that we are fortunate to have, but let's not turn it into a tool for self-guilt, and let's not use it as a weapon for harm, because that is not why we have this resource. And Proverbs may be the book of wisdom, but you guys, all of Scripture should be read wisely and thoughtfully, and with compassion, and with patience, and with self-care, and with love. All of Scripture should be read that way, because we know that God is love, and there is no greater law than love in itself. Jesus came to teach us that. And honestly, as you read, and you come across that tough part of the Bible, remind yourself, that you are a work in progress too, a work in process. And so there may come that day where you've gained new wisdom and received more blessing from scripture. Three years after watching the original high school musical, (laughs) I'm in charge of our conference's junior high Bible camp, okay? And this was during COVID, so it was a virtual event. We had almost 300 middle schoolers from around Southern California participating online with this event, and I really wanted it to go well. And so I invited a speaker who I felt could really connect with this age. I'm like, this is going to be it. This is going to be just powerful. And then the big moment comes for her sermon. She's preaching. And then she says how important it is to be true to who you are to not be ashamed of how God has made you, to embrace yourself, all your quirks and all your passions. And I'm like, amen, yes. And then she says, just like the song from my favorite movie, High School Musical, where people will tell you to stick to the status quo instead of embracing who you are. But by the end of that movie, all of those same people are singing the great concluding number called, We're All in This Together. And at this point, I'm like, what? And the kids in the chat are like, amen. Yes, (laughs) praise Jesus. Baptize me now. And I'm like, wow. Thank you, God. 
thank you, Zac Efron. <laughs> and I think in that moment, I learned a little bit how the Bible works as well. Because <laughs> it took three years, but suddenly I wasn't so lost anymore. And then I watched the sequel, and it was even better than the first one. <laughs> Praxis, this is a beautiful book. It's a miracle that it exists, and we are really, really blessed to have access to it. And it's not because it gives us rules and tells us how awful we are for breaking them. It's because it connects us with generation upon generation upon generation of humans who have also experienced the divine and walked through some of these journeys that we are walking through now. And through that, we also can be connected to God in our own journey, a God who is still seeking after us as well. And I pray that every time you open up its pages, that that's what you get to feel and experience. Thank you for letting me join you tonight. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there on a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment. It makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.